0: Welcome to the Emotional Eating Unwrapped podcast. I'm your host, Alana Kessler, an emotional eating and weight loss coach for women looking to fall in love with eating, create healthy attachments with food, and lose weight sustainably. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Emotional Eating Unwrapped. Today, I am so excited to talk about a topic that is really something that I didn't think was so important when it comes to weight loss and overcoming emotional eating, um, especially in the beginning of my journey. But now I realize is such a huge foundational piece of the puzzle. And we're going to be talking about accepting your authentic self. So accepting your authentic self, and this is such a deep, Deep topic, and it really is the bedrock of personal growth, of long lasting well being, where we really feel well in our bodies, right? We have this self acceptance, um, which essentially is the core, right? When we have this unshakable. Self-acceptance, because we know ourselves so well and we understand ourselves and we really just have this unwavering compassion and acceptance. This is where long-lasting health and long-lasting weight loss, long-lasting just permanence of any goal actually that you have in life. This is where it comes from. So today we'll explore what it truly means to accept oneself and how to build the strong foundation of self-acceptance. And well, even when I talk about this topic, um, I chuckle inside a little bit because I remember when I was, um, I must have been like 20, 21 years old, and I remember I had just started practicing yoga, practicing Uh, Meditation, maybe two years before, three years before. And I was really into it. I started going to so many workshops. I started spending my weekends going to, uh, you know, mindfulness, uh, long, you know, two hour meditation and mindfulness uh, workshops and just listening to so many. Dharma talks and talks on mindfulness, and going to so many yoga classes. And the one, one of the things that came up so often was this concept of authenticity. And for those of you who are new to the podcast, when I was 21, that was 2002. So it wasn't really in the mainstream zeitgeist to be talking about personal growth, authenticity, authentic self, all these things that gratefully and happily now are so much more mainstream. But I remember having this conversation with my mom, and I remember telling her that I really wanted to live a life where I was my authentic self. And I really, to this day, remember her comment to me where she was like, what does that mean to be an authentic self what is authentic you know it's kind of like what does that mean and it was so looking back now it's so interesting to reflect because for me it was such a feeling I I, I could I could almost taste and feel in my body and just, I knew what it felt like to be authentic and what actions I would be need to take and I also knew what it felt like when I wasn't being authentic and I think that that's a huge piece of it. I knew what it felt like and how my nervous system and how everything felt in my body when I wasn't being authentic and so the idea and the Potential and the concept of authenticity was much clearer for me, and it's, you know now self acceptance and authenticity has almost become a cliche. It's just it's kind of just thrown around as words, and uh, but it really is an empowering and truly transformative idea, but we can't forget that it also is something that we build. It's a collection of mindsets and actions, and it's something that we really build over time. So when we talk about accepting our authentic self, we first have to uncover that authentic self then we have to establish and create safety for that authentic self. And then we build the authentic self and then we live from the authentic self. And all these different stages are important stages of, of the journey. And it's not as it sounds simple, but it's definitely it's definitely not an easy journey. And ultimately, at the end of the road, or not at the end of the road because this journey doesn't have an end of the road, but ultimately you get to a place where you truly embrace and love yourself for who you are. You acknowledge your strengths, your weaknesses without judgment, and ultimately you find a deep sense of contentment and equanimity you find a deep sense of contentment and equanimity within. And contentment and equanimity, the feeling tone of those words are so amazing because they're neutral, right? Contentment and equanimity, when you think about it, it's a willingness to be with what is, even if it's positive, even if it's negative, there's a certain... There's a certain strength. There's a certain stick with itness, stick-to-itness that comes with practicing contentment and equanimity. So today we'll be diving into why self-acceptance is so important to emotional well-being and how it contributes to our overall happiness and journey of healing. And self-acceptance can mean different things to different people and especially when we see how it's used and like i mentioned before sometimes just oversimplified in social media or um you know different uh, coaches different gurus um you know it can it can just be overly simplified made to be a little bit simplistic almost like unicornia um you know it's like this it's just something that's something that you can just wear, you know, like, ah, oh, self, self-acceptance and um, something that's almost easy to attain. And I want to normalize and pull back the curtain on the fact that self-acceptance is one of the hardest things to, to achieve. And it also ebbs and flows, right? Sometimes we accept ourselves, sometimes we don't accept ourselves as much. And Every, all of that and all of those paths and all of those arcs in self acceptance is the journey to self acceptance and is the journey of self acceptance. And when I work with my clients on this foundational piece of, on this foundational piece of building authentic self acceptance. I like to talk about four different building blocks that I work with them on, and those four building blocks are individuation, values, desires, and goals and beliefs. Okay, so maybe it's five building blocks, but I think we can kind of combine some of them together, but let me repeat that. So individuation values, desires, goals, and beliefs. And so I want to take today's episode and go into a bit of a deeper dive on each of these topics. So, if we start with individuation. Individuation is about recognizing and celebrating your unique self. Right? It's it's creating your self, your capital letter self capital letter S, self, as an individual. So it's about recognizing what individuates you from the pack, your pack, recognizing that, and then celebrating that. And it's about recognizing your unique qualities, your unique strengths, your unique weaknesses. Um, It's really with this ability to look at ourselves objectively It's about finding your voice, courageously navigating the unknown, and leaning into life experiences that may not be familiar to you, okay? So individuation is the result of exploring life almost like as a beginner, right? So like I said, it's objective. And what happens is, is that once – we start to individuate and once we start to differentiate and practice almost like a critical, this critical thinking, this critical objectivity, the most important aspect of individuation is to differentiate who you are in your core from the ideology, opinions, and experiences of other people, especially your family and community of origins. Okay so it's really really important that we start to recognize our unique our unique ideology, our uniqueness, how we view the world separate from the experiences and the the people that we surround ourselves with especially when we're growing up. And as we do this, it is a very courageous act, because as we start to explore living from our own viewpoints of the world, we can feel like we're stepping out on a ledge by ourselves, and a lot of fear and insecurity and all these things can come up. We can also get, we can also make mistakes. We can also get a lot of negative feedback. Um, right? It's it's like. It's like learning how to walk, right, when you're a child, when you're a baby, right? It's like you get up, you fall down. You get up, you fall down. And the willingness to be with these experiences that – the willingness to be with yourself in these experiences of living as an individual, as you're crafting and as you're developing your own viewpoint about the world through – living you tenderize yourself right you you end up tenderizing your heart you end up tenderizing your nervous system right so when something gets tenderized it's only because it's it's getting a lot of pressure so if you think about tenderizing meat the only way meat gets tenderized is if you're banging on it a lot so the only way we could tenderize ourselves into being Authentic and having that equanimity and contentment, but also really clear in our viewpoints about living, we have to be courageous and step into the world, practicing these this individual, this individual authentic um, ideology, and opinions and um, viewpoints and see how they land, and see how we feel about it, see if maybe our minds get changed, right? So when we tenderize ourselves, it means that we become less reactive eventually to experiences. So when you first start this and you get negative feedback per se, you might feel like really judged, like really sensitive, really triggered. You know, it's just going to be very activated. But the more that you do it, the less reactive you become. And the more internal you start to become, you start the more internal you start to, um, you know, you start to process some of the things, right? So you start to see people's responses and reactions as feedback rather than criticism, right? And so as we individuate, we... The beginning is very edgy and feels really raw. But if we continue to do it, it becomes you know, the, the, the scar tissue kind of the scar tissue rises to the surface, and ultimately, our confidence in our viewpoints and who we are gets stronger. So what happens there is that we people please less, we fawn less, we defend less because we have this inner peace that we're living our lives in the best and most authentic way for ourselves. And so when it comes to how individuation impacts and affects emotional eating and healing from emotional eating, it's so essential to realize that emotional eating is a symptom. It's not a diagnosis. Emotional eating is a symptom of not feeling seen or belonging to anything. So when we emotionally eat, it's a symptom of feeling unseen, feeling unheard, and feeling like we don't belong to community. And so it's a place we go when we don't feel like we're real, right? We turn to emotional eating when we're just like, we feel like we're not real. We're just like floating around and we're not tethered. We feel untethered. But when we individuate and we tenderize, it gives us the skill set of feeling real. We're, We're tethered to our own identity. We're tethered to our own viewpoint. Our lives are our own, and we feel grounded, empowered, and worthy. And when we feel tethered, grounded, empowered, and worthy, And that has nothing to do with people's reactions to us, people approving of us, because we have this innate, really, really strong sense of self-approval, because we've individuated in this authentic way, we can heal from emotional eating. Okay? So that's individuation. The next one is values and values reflect what is most important to you at your core, okay? So you might've heard this before as far as the term core values. So when you think about your values, your core values, you think about them like a North Star. They're your North Star. And if we pay attention to that North Star, It will steer us towards a life that aligns with our true selves. Living in alignment with our values leads to true self-acceptance. So your values are what makes up your integrity, and they're more than just words. But values only become our north star and lead to a fulfilling life when we practice living from them. That's why individuation is so key because we must know ourselves as an individual entity so we can feel emboldened in our life's choices, especially if they're non-conforming or different from the crowd. Okay? So values is something, living from your core values is a practice. Living in alignment with your your core values definitely leads to true self-acceptance and being able to clearly clarify and clearly Recognize and discern and delineate your core values is key. So, how does values, how do living from your values impact and affect emotional eating and healing? So, healing from emotional eating takes so much internal strength. Okay. It's so, it takes so much internal strength because. It's really a reprogramming. So it's important to continue to remind yourself of your why. So often in my coaching sessions with clients when, you know, we've hit a wall or there, you know, maybe there's some uh, slide back with certain behaviors again, I always go back to you have to connect to your Why? And so your values are your compass that are separate from your feelings or your cravings. They're your why. Okay, so your why lives separately from what is going on right now in the moment for you. So, for example, when you feel overwhelmed by a craving, you can connect to your values as a loving source of strength. So you can feel – really overwhelmed and triggered and activated by a craving you could feel really just over having to make choices about eating and having to prepare in advance and think ahead about what you're going to do so that you don't find yourself in a situation where you're overly hungry or you are mindlessly eating at a party right you could you could just be over doing all this work all that you can, you could be over having to be strong, internally strong, and in and having to pay attention all the time. You could be over it, and you, then you can connect to your values as a loving source of strength. So you could feel uncomfortable, overwhelmed, triggered, activated. But if you have a clear outline and a clear list of your value system. Of your values, you could just look at those values, feel it in your body, and it will give you that strength. And so often, the first place we go to in today's society when we want to, when we want to build strength or um, try to become accountable to ourselves, or if we're like, "Oh my god, I feel a craving coming on," what do I need to do? I need to be more disciplined with myself. I need to get, I need to figure out how to never have cravings again. Um, You know, or something happens where you feel like you're, you're like, forget it. I'm going to be having so many holiday parties. I'm going to just, I don't have any control over what I'm eating. I'm just going to forget it. I'm just going to like, I'm just going to let go and I'm just going to let it all go for a week and then I'll come back with the diet and the discipline afterwards. Right. We go, we we go straight to discipline, but really our value system and connecting to that higher, more, just that higher, more elevated, more just aspirational part of ourselves is really, really important. And can really give us that strength to ride out the waves of overwhelm, cravings, um, just lack of motivation. Okay, so that's how values help, and connecting to your values, and why having your core values laid out and really clear in, you know, in your mind why that's so important for healing emotional eating and overcoming emotional eating. Okay? So let's talk next about desires and goals. So desires and goals, desires and goals are like the fire. They are like that fire in your journey and they they light that fire so that you feel motivated to embody your core values. They build that consistent energy towards creating an identity where you feel worthy and motivated to hold yourself to a high standard. So by learning how to approach your desires and your goals with interest and compassion and openness, you can literally alchemize those really intense feelings that connecting to desires and goals give you, right? It's really like a hot feeling into creating targeted behaviors, habits, and mindsets that will pave the way for you to experience a greater capacity to trust yourself and believe in your inherent deservedness to live an amazing life where you feel safe, seen, and confident inside out. Okay, so desires and goals are really that constant energy, that constant motivator, that constant just like put gas in a tank, right? Put, you know, recharge if you're more of a hybrid person, you know, recharge the battery, okay? So how do desires and goals impact and affect emotional eating and healing? So when it comes to emotional eating and just the whole experience with eating with food. One of the biggest things I see, one of something that I struggled with myself and something I see with my clients is that when it comes to emotional eating, one of the biggest behaviors or one of the biggest mindsets that I see a lot is shame. And another mindset that I see a lot is danger. So there's a lot of shame and danger around our desires, that live in our body. And this shame and fear can trigger us to sever our connection to ourselves. Ultimately, what happens when we do that is that we all of a sudden get this this rush of desire and a goal right? Whether it's a desire to eat something or a goal to do something. And what happens is, is that immediately we get scared, right? Either like this this isn't safe for me, something bad's going to happen, or I'm going to fail. And we disconnect from ourselves because it's just the feeling that this desire and goal is activating in our body is very overwhelming. It's very big in our body. And we just shut down, which essentially one of the biggest things that we one of the biggest reasons why we emotionally eat is because we don't want to feel abandoned. We want to feel connected. But what happens is, is that when we shut down from ourselves and our own desires and our own goals because of shame or fear, abandonment becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy because we are abandoning ourselves first. And the universe and the world will always reflect back to us what we, how we are relating to ourselves. So if we're relating to ourselves from a place of abandonment, it's likely that we're going to feel abandoned by the world, okay? So when we can lean into our desires around food and eating with non-judgment, right, we feel the bigness in our body, but then we can relate to it with non-judgment and curiosity, we are saying to the universe that we're not afraid of wanting right? We're not afraid of that of that feeling of wanting. And we're also saying that we don't need to hoard food or to hide from food because there's nothing scary about wanting, right? There's nothing scary about feeling that rush of energy that's directed towards desire or a goal. And we believe that as long as we have a structure in place and we have intrinsic accountability in place. And I have an episode on intrinsic accountability. It's called Trust Yourself with Food. I talk a lot about that. If you haven't listened to it yet, you can go back and listen to it. I think it's the first episode. If we realize that there's nothing scary about wanting and we have a structure in place, we can then indulge with accountability and integrity. And when we feel safe to indulge because we have that structure in place, and so therefore there is accountability, there is integrity, this is the dream, right? This is the goal. And being able to create this connection, this conversation, this sense of communication with ourselves and our desires, this is such an important this is such an important integration that we need to have between our desires and our feeling body and our behaviors. They're all connected. So when you feel a desire, you're going to get a feeling in your body. And depending on how our nervous system reacts to that feeling, that's going to dictate our behaviors. So if we can hack that gap – between the feeling in our body and our nervous system, if we can make that feel safe, our behaviors will be safe and adaptive, we'll feel connected, we'll be able to align with our core values, and, you know, we'll be able to live and create a life that feels really, really good. So the last thing I'm going to talk about is beliefs. And beliefs are the way your inner self sees the world, and they shape how you feel about the world, okay? So your beliefs are the way that your inner self sees the world, and they shape how you feel about the world. But beliefs are more complicated because they're sticky, And they're sticky because they're often created through intergenerational dynamics and reinforced through our present experiences and are often deeply unconscious and even indoctrinated into our brains and psyche. So to reframe beliefs that may be underneath some of these toxic behaviors and lifestyle dynamics that we have, we have to be willing to zoom out, depersonalize our lives a bit. So we have to be able to approach our lives with an objective lens and look at our viewpoints, our routines, and our habits with some curiosity. All right, So we need to be able to critically, to to look at our life a little bit more critically belief systems are often the architecture of community as well. Okay. So this is this is kind of a feedback loop back into the individuation. And belief systems are often the architecture of community and reinforced through community and also through conformity. Okay. So belief systems are often the architecture of community and it can be very scary sometimes to realize that our individual belief systems are different than the ones of the people closest to us because ultimately as humans one of our core values just as a human and this is like not even one that we that we individuate from this is almost this is primitive is belonging and connection So it can feel really scary sometimes to realize that our unique individual belief systems are different than the ones of our community, of our best friends, of our family. So reframing our belief system can be some of the deepest and most feet to the fire work we can do when healing, right? Reframing the belief systems is very, very close to the fire, we feel very, very close to the fire. It's very edgy. But ultimately, reframing belief systems when you've realized that yours might be different is the backbone of self-acceptance. And so how does beliefs impact and affect emotional eating and healing so many of our attachments to food and feelings around eating come from our beliefs the thing about beliefs is that they're often installed when we're children and weave their way into our nervous systems without any resistance especially when we're children right when we're children we don't have a prefrontal cortex yet our critical thinking capability is not developed and it gets so installed Into our nervous systems, into our thoughts. And ultimately, that is a belief. And it's so much so that we can go about much of our adult lives believing that certain things about food and eating to be fact. Right. So, if we, our, how we, how we see food and eating in our childhood, how we, see it how we experience it that becomes our belief and so much of so much of our adult lives we can go along believing the way that food and eating was presented to us as children are facts we could think they're facts we think they're just normal lifestyle habits so for example some of these beliefs are eating this food will make me gain weight, right? You might have heard that from your caretaker. You might have heard that from people in your community. It might feel so real to you like it is a fact. Or another way that we can develop a belief around eating and food is by watching how people relate to eating and food how, and and absorbing their behaviors and their relationship with eating and food, absorbing how how they relate to eating and how they sometimes might use eating as a means to resolve or find comfort. So for example, you might think to yourself, oh, when I come home from work or I have a stressful experience, I eat. And again, we think that because we were either told this or we observed it. And so it takes so much courage. It takes so much attention. It takes so much internal strength to recognize that beliefs are not facts. Their beliefs are not truths, but they're rather a collection of narratives that humans install in their brain to create safety. And so when we realize that we are in the driver's seat of creating and implementing our own narratives and that someone else's narratives, someone else's belief system don't work for us, it's at that point that we can heal and embody the life we desire and deserve. So I know this was a huge topic today. Don't hesitate to listen to this a couple times. But truly, self-acceptance, it's such a lifelong process. It is a lifelong process. It's not something that has a commencement date. So try not to put any pressure on yourself. Just keep intending to make self-acceptance something that is a value for you. But it's also important to remember that it's one of the most integral steps on the journey to healing from emotional eating. And as you continue building the strong foundation of self-acceptance through individuation, values, desires, goals, and beliefs, your healing from emotional eating is 100% inevitable. Your, your desire or your goal of weight loss is 100% inevitable. And so I'm so glad you joined me for this episode today. This is such an important topic. And don't forget to join me again next week with another new episode about emotional eating so you can fall in love with eating, start losing weight, and keep it off with sustainable strategies and lasting change. And so if you found this episode enlightening, please subscribe, leave a review, and share it with anyone you know who might need to hear this message. I also have lots of free resources on my website to help you on your journey to loving food and losing weight. Just go to www.bewellbyak.com. Until next time, I'm Alana, and thank you for listening to Emotional Eating Unwrapped.